0: If you are in need of therapeutic support such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Today's special episode is an interview with a formerly estranged and now reconciled adult child. A.C. Bergen Fisher and his mother were once estranged from one another for six years, and today they see each other on a regular basis, generally for week-long visits at a time. A.C. is an absolute stellar human being who is finding his way through the world while navigating detours as if they were purposely laid out before him. He is insightful, he's full of snark, he's compassionate, straight-talking, and wise beyond his years. This interview is filled with vulnerability, truth-talking, and insight. Thank you for joining me for this peek inside the story and heart of an adult child. Today's quote, Every misunderstanding seems to be a gateway to a deeper understanding. And that is by A.C. Bergen-Fisher. So today I have A.C. with me who is a formerly estranged adult child and someone near and dear to my heart. So welcome, AC. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you, Creed.
0: Absolutely. So we're here today to talk about your experience and as an estranged child, as a reconciled formerly estranged adult child. And before we get started, I want to give my listeners a little bit of information about how you and I connected so they can put some pieces of the puzzle together on how we know one another. So would you like to start with that?
1: Yeah, I actually host a number of podcasts. One of the podcasts that I'd worked on in the past focused on specifically on estrangement. And I had found that my experience as an estranged adult child had made it very very easy to connect with other people who shared my experience but i was finding it frustrating that the stories seemed to be so one-sided all the time and i thought there's got to be estranged parents out there somewhere and i wasn't really sure how to go about connecting and Google wasn't really turning up anything. And I took to, I can't remember if it was Twitter or Facebook and had searched on estranged parents and your name came up. And when I started looking into what you were working on, what you were all about, I noticed that you were sort of working on the mirror image of what I was working on. Mm -hmm. And I found this whole concept really, really fascinating because I'd always thought that estrangement was like just to do with the kids. I didn't realize that the parents might've had their own issues too. (laughs) So I, I think I'd reached out, sent you a message either through a social media platform or email and invited you to be a guest on our show. And I think that's where we got to talking and learned a little bit about your story, how it relates to my story and realized there's a lot of common ground between your position and mine.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I have to say that that interview um, was probably one of the biggest pivotal points in my work in the estrangement world. It really, it changed me and being able to talk with you as an estranged adult child and being able to get that perspective from, because my children at the time, I had been reconciled, but we had not talked about anything. We didn't, you know, my kids and I didn't know anything. So I didn't know their perspective. And so it was really great to be able to get to learn yours. Um, And from there, we've maintained a friendship of sorts. And I think I just, I love, I love your take on life and the world at large. And so I wanted to have you on the show because I think that that needs to be heard. Um, And especially with my listeners, I think that they will enjoy hearing from you as a formerly estranged child who's now reconciled. And I think that you have valuable information and insight to give my listeners. And that's why we're here today. So let's get on with getting on with the show. How about that? Let's do it. All right. So. AC, tell me a little bit about how your estrangement experience and start wherever you, you feel comfortable. If you want to give a little bit of history before the estrangement, but specifically the estrangement experience and how that all played out.
1: It's kind of tough to decide where to start because I mean, one of the things that had come up in our initial conversation was that estrangement doesn't seem to just happen. You know, it, in my case as it was with with yours it seemed almost like there was like a family legacy or like a family habit of estrangement and when i go back to to early childhood some of my my earliest memories were asking my parents you know why can't we see grandma and grandpa Mm -hmm. and getting some half-baked explanation of how hard done by my parents were and how there were reasons why they couldn't talk to their parents and why we were never going to have anything to do with them and on and on and on. And I'd always observed like all through childhood, even through early adulthood, my parents not getting along with their parents. It just, that was my normal. And I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I always knew that the time would come where it would be my turn. Mm -hmm. So, it wasn't like really a sense of dread or anything like that. It it wasn't even a case of like looking for any telltale signs. It just seemed like one of those things that was just going to happen. It was unavoidable and just wait and see, you know? And so I think that the first time I went through a period of estrangement with my parents, it was just, I don't want to say it was no big thing. It hurt. the first time it was a, a squabble over something like really, really silly. My mom had, had thought that I had misplaced something that belonged to her. And I think she sort of, it was jokingly giving me a hard time saying, Oh no, I know you're the culprit. <laughs> ha ha kind of thing. But of course I got my back up because I was just a young hot headed guy and the fight was on
0: mm-hmm.
1: and next thing i knew i'm sitting there at like 20 years old or something like that thanksgiving dinner has happened with the family and i was the only one who was not invited and i sat there feeling like a big bag of crap i knew i knew that like i'd had a part in this squabble in fact probably the biggest part because young men are not well known for their ability to reason (laughs) (laughs) and and that's where i was at and you know that was just like the first of many i mean there was A lot of rounds all through my 20s and and 30s. Sometimes it was my mom's fault. Sometimes it was my fault. Sometimes we were just both being, I don't want to say we're we're being stupid. We were, I, I guess, both engaged in toxic behaviors and maintaining at all costs a dysfunctional relationship rather than fixing the things that were so obviously wrong. Not to make excuses, but just like my mom had no example of how to relate. I had no example of how to relate either. I mean, what I learned in talking to my mom again all through the years, it wasn't just like her having difficulty with her parents, but her parents had also been estranged too to the point where like they had moved to a whole other country to avoid family stuff.
0: Mm.
1: So... Mm -hmm like this family legacy of miscommunication and just rage quitting relationships. So that's sort of the foundation I was building from the last round of a stranger with my mom was particularly ugly. I went over six years with zero communication with her, which was honestly one of the toughest times of my life because I was staring down an unfixable situation, you know, this wasn't another one of those petty things where she was being silly or I was being silly. My family, they're very Christian, like devout Christian. And I was part of that faith for the majority of my life when it came to a time where I left the faith and I think I left pretty abruptly <laughs> mm-hmm. and pretty aggressively. I I started challenging everything that we had ever held to be true. I realized that these things didn't work for me anymore. And I had wanted to stay in contact with my mom about all this stuff because, you know, her, her and I had always talked about faith stuff. It had always been like our big area where we could connect I didn't see why that would need to change just because we now had like a difference of beliefs. We still had all the same questions. We were still looking at all the same places for answers. It's just, we were coming to different conclusions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But whereas this was an intellectual exchange for me, it was a very emotional one for her. And I think that that we both knew that a big conversation was coming. We both prepared very differently for it. And as a result, I think we were both caught extremely off guard by the way things went. The way that conversation ended was her telling me, you know, to get out of her house and not to come back until I was ready to get right with God. Mm. And there was nowhere for me to go with that. I I wasn't going to get right with a God I didn't believe in and she wasn't going to erase her line in the sand and so it was you know six plus years of no contact and dealing with a situation where there was no room to fix it or adjust it I grieved her loss as though she had died because I didn't know what else to do and uh, that's where I was left with all that
0: I can see that this is super emotional for you.
1: It's not easy stuff, you know. Because yeah. my my dad passed away in two thousand two, and I thought that that was the worst pain that a person could deal with. And I'm not going to minimize it. I mean, it's it's a big one. I still struggle, <laughs> sure, with his loss every day, like twenty years later. But compared to losing my mom to estrangement and grieving her as though she was dead Mm -hmm. dealing with him actually being dead was comparatively easy yeah because physical death there's a finality to it with death via estrangement there's always that nagging doubt in the back of your mind like is there something else I could have done is there something else I should have said even if it's a case of like what the hell is their problem Mm -hmm. is there any chance they're going to come up for air they're they're gone but they're not gone and And it's like nobody should ever be stuck in a situation where somebody extremely close to them is kind of like living in the in-between between between there and not there you know you you can't dig up somebody who's passed and say like hey can we talk about this right But like when I was dealing with my mom, I mean, she was living literally 10 minutes away from me. The fact that we never bumped into each other in a grocery store in all those years is shocking. Uh Knowing that I could have gone and knocked on her door at any given moment, knowing that she might show up at, at mine. I mean, it of course I went about my day, but you wake up every morning not knowing, okay, like is this gonna be the day when when everything sort of becomes okay or is she just going to stay dead after a couple of years I and mean, a lot of tears? It's not like I became okay, but it was almost like a numbness, not not quite a coldness, but definitely a numbness came over me. I wasn't angry anymore. It wasn't about the grudge or the misunderstanding or the anything else. It's just a case of like, okay, well, th- this is life now. And I realized that I had established a new normal and it didn't include her. And on some level, as much as that was not okay, it was very, very okay.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I've had a bit of time to think about this and I can't come up with anything concrete, but I, I suspect that it's just an act of self-preservation self subconsciously. You know, there's a limit to how many times you can feel something and be helpless to change it before you just stop feeling it
0: right
1: you know somebody had asked me do you love your mom i i i never really knew how to answer that question you know my kids asked me like don't you love nana and the only honest answer i could come up with was well it's it's complicated i mean i think about or i would think about her in the same way that you know i think about my dad or my grandparents who have passed i remember loving them And it's not like I I don't have any like hard feelings per se. I mean, I remember the good, the bad, and the everything else. But how do I feel about them right now? I don't know. They're not with us anymore, right?
0: So you experienced, you know, one of the things that a lot of estranged parents feel or think on some level is that their kid is off loving life living life and not having a second thought about their parent or the estrangement or the fact that their parents, not in their life. Would you say that that's, it doesn't sound like that's what you experienced. What are your thoughts on other estranged adult children in the midst of that?
1: I think there's a lot of truth to that perspective that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Because I can't say I was sitting there like all day, every day, mulling over family stuff. Right. I definitely was enjoying life and I could go days, sometimes weeks without the thought of my mom even crossing my mind, just because like I said, I I had developed a new normal that didn't include her. Right. You don't think about things that aren't part of your normal unless there's a reminder of some kind. And Again, as an act of self-preservation, I insulated myself from a lot of these reminders. Like my ex-wife, we have a child together. So she had a horse in the race to ask, you know, have you heard from your mom? Have you talked to her? And it got to the point where I just had to tell her, like, look, you can't ask me these questions. If you need to know what's going on, don't bring it to me. Talk to my wife. She knows what I know. I'm just not willing to have these conversations because it's going to bring up hurt that I can't deal with.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: And so I I very, very much did focus on just trying to find my happy. I mean, just like you do when, again, comparing to the loss of my dad. I mean, (laughs) I love the man with all of my heart and soul, but he's in the ground. Right. So sitting here and, and thinking about it, doesn't work life has to move on for all of us I'm sorry I don't know if I answered your question or I get a little bit emotional and I things get cloudy
0: that's okay (laughs) you did you did so you you find yourself estranged from your mom it's a six-year span of time how did the reconciliation come to be I there's other things I want to talk about but I I want to get the nuts and bolts of your story. And then I want would like for us to elaborate on on many parts and pieces to this. So how did the, how did you become reconciled with your mom? Like who took the first step? What was, what was that first meeting? Like, where do things stand now?
1: It's that's not the easiest series of questions to break down. I mean, it, it really was a process that went on for over the span of a, a, a couple of years. Yeah. the, I think the first step psychologically emotionally for me was my brother and I had been working out ideas for one of our podcasts and him also being an estranged adult child with a a vivid story of his own. And I I should just clarify for your audience. He's not my biological brother. We adopted each other in our Mm thirties because we both needed family and we found it in each other. So no biological relation, no shared history, except for, you know, what we've built in adulthood. Okay. But him and I were, were working out ideas for things we could talk about on one of our podcasts. And one of the, the topics that of course was central to both of us was how do you deal with a parent that you're not talking to? And what I had done to sort of work through where I was at was I wrote a letter. I'll say quote unquote to my mom, I was never intended to send it to her. I just wrote my thoughts directed towards her just to do like a self diagnosis, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I found myself asking a lot of questions at the time I was having really bad uh, knee problems. Like, mom, do you know that I need knee surgery? Do you know that I have a dog named Roxy? Do you know that my son just turned X number of years old? Do you even care? Mm-hmm you know, all things like this. And as I was writing, it's just like the tears were flowing harder and harder and harder. And this emotional corner that I had bricked off and had been ignoring successfully for so many years, it just like the floodgates opened. I was overwhelmed by this deep ache where, you know, I just, I needed my mommy, you know, in my mid forties and like, I'm bawling because I just want my mom, but I can't have her, you know? So I decided that, you know what, we, we can't cover this topic on the podcast. I'm not ready to talk about it. It just, it's too raw. It's too complex. And I don't want to cry while people are listening. Right. Right. (laughs) And a, a few weeks later, you know, I talked to, my my older sister she was sort of the the only link between my mom and I all through the estrangement so I mean she didn't have any bad blood with either of us and for years she had tried to broker some sort of peace but she was like running up against the wall on both ends you know come to think of it I never did ask her how all that experience was for her it must have been rough mm-hmm. but um, initially it had started off you know with with a lot of the fairly typical stuff come on you know she's your mom Mm -hmm. as though like i was obligated to the relationship because of what it was and i kept on telling her look i don't care if she's my mom i don't care if she's a complete stranger there's certain things i can't live with and she brings these things to the table and um as time went on, the nature of my sister's inquiries and hints and questions and, and things like that, they, they sort of changed. It got to the point where she said, you know, like, I've been working with mom a lot and, you know, talking to her about her approach to things and approach to us as her kids and how easy it is to misunderstand her and how it hurts when she talks the way she does sometimes. And she's come to a lot of realizations. She's like, mom is really, really different now. Like, why don't you just give her a chance? And it's not like I was making excuses for myself, but I mean, the the truth was I had already grieved her loss once. I didn't know if I could handle grieving it a second time if things Mm -hmm. had gone sideways. So I was extremely gun shy. Like the time for grudges was like long behind me. I mean, I'm not a grudgy person anyways. Mm hmm. But I had found my normal. I and mean, then, you know, I was doing okay for the most part. I didn't know that talking to her was going to make things more okay. In fact, there was a strong probability things were going to be significantly less okay. Right. And, you know, my sister was was persistent. She kept on coming at me saying, you know, like, mom's different now. And I said, look, like, I don't know how I'm going to react. I said, what if she says something and like, I lose my composure because in in all fairness, that last conversation that my mom and I had had, you know, that had kicked off the estrangement. I don't want to like point the fingers entirely at her. Like she was being a bitch. I definitely lost my composure too. I said things Mm -hmm. that I can't take back. And I didn't want to end up in that position again. I'm a very controlled person. Mm Mm-hmm and when something comes up where i lose that control over self i tend to avoid it i don't like to come unraveled and my mom unfortunately like she, <laughs> she really knows how to unravel me sometimes so you know i i mentioned all this to my sister my sister said look like you're approaching this as though you're the same person you were 60 or, or at, this, at this time of the conversation that the same person you were five years ago
0: mm-hmm. she
1: said i've seen you grow i've seen you change i've seen you develop i've seen you like work on self i've seen you unpack all this other stuff she says, even if mom were exactly the same person that she was five years ago you're not the same person anymore mm-hmm. it can't end the same way because the dynamic has changed And she said, just give it a chance. And I said, well, okay. I said, like, at at this point, I said, like, I I know mom has moved. You've mentioned that. I don't know mom's address. I don't know her phone number at this point. I said, give me her information and let me think about it. And I put the information on my phone and it wasn't like I was planning to call that week or next. I didn't know when I was going to call. Right. Yeah, it was literally like pretty close to a year later. I woke up one morning and I, I woke my girlfriend up at the time and I said, I need to go see my mom today. And the whole time that we had known each other, the girlfriend and I, we had both been estranged from our parents. I mean, estrangement was sort of like how we had initially connected. Mm-hmm it was a defining point of our relationship so I mean this caught her really off guard like what 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 do you mean you want to go see your mom today like this like completely out of the blue right and she says well what's your plan I said well I can't go alone like you got to come with me so Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot of pressure to put on the poor girl you know like (laughs) meeting the parents is hard, but meeting the parents under these circumstances, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I would have been that big of a person, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I didn't, I, I don't, I don't think I phoned first. I think I texted my sister and I said, look, I don't want to catch mom off guard. Can you just give her the heads up that I'm planning on stopping by this afternoon? And my sister said, yeah, no problem. And I remember showing up at her place and I guess her, her door was open, but she had sort of like a, a, a sheer curtain kind of thing hanging over the door just to, I don't know, why people decorate how they decorated. It, it looked nice. <laughs> I'm missing the point, but I, I, I couldn't quite see her clearly through this oh. sheer curtain. It was sort of like uh, this ghostly, out of focus image. I see this familiar but unfamiliar form sitting on the couch and i sort of knocked on the door Mm jamb said hello and i hear her voice saying come in and um i pulled back the curtain and you know there's this old lady where my mom should have been Mm -hmm. and I think that was the first time when it really hit me, like how much time had passed, you know, like six years. It's a long time, but it's not a long time, you know? So I think when you're younger, you could look at your face every day in the mirror for six years and not see much in the way it changes, but you were dealing with somebody who's like into their seventies, six years is a long ass time.
0: Right. Right.
1: And it was just like this flood of emotions hit me it was like it was i can't say i was happy to see her i was cautious
0: mm-hmm. it
1: was weird i remember it going through my head that like shit she's sorry i don't know if i can swear on your yeah, show I
0: can.
1: <laughs> it's just like she, thinking like shit like she's gotten old like she could have like dropped dead during the estrangement mm. And it was like, sort of like this, it, it wasn't like this, like deeply emotional s- series of thoughts. It was kind of like my emotions were off in the other room somewhere, but I'm looking at her and thinking like, wow, like I kind of, I guess I lucked out that it like managed to reconnect while she's still alive. There's that, but I realized that I'm looking at a complete stranger at this point point. and not just am I looking at a complete stranger, but I'm looking at somebody that I'm like a million miles away from emotionally. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I decided, you know what? Like this is awkward and weird. And the reality is I don't need it because again, I hate to keep repeating myself, but I had found my normal and normal was okay. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But I decided this is something I was going to do for my kids. Something that my parents hadn't done for me. It's like, you know what? Well, mom's a psycho whatever the case may be but they need their nana and they don't need to grow up thinking that it is normal for kids not to talk to parents i'm going to lead by example here and give them this gift i'll go through the act if i have to i can play the loving devoted son i don't give a crap but this is what my kids are going to see So that was how that initial reconnection went.
0: Wow. That had to have been a day filled with all sorts of thoughts and feelings and emotions, whether they were recognized or not in the moment, right? Mm. To be able to have reality, basically, as you mentioned, you know, this... The reality that time could have passed by and you could have lost your mom in the midst of all of that and then to see that this person who is your mom sitting in front of you is to you a stranger right this is who who is this person who are we were some of those things thought of at the time
1: in that moment no in fact it was like several months of just I, I made a point of going to visit her at least once a week, mm. but I always made sure that I had somebody with me as a buffer. You know, I go, I would bring my girlfriend mm. and I would play with my phone and let the conversation be between the women.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Or I would bring my kid and or kids. um, And, you know, let the, grandchild grandparent dynamic play out I did everything in my power to make sure that I was never alone in the room with that woman Mm -hmm. would hang out with my mom and my sister you know all this like easy stuff and it's it's not like there was bad blood per se and I don't know if I was like consciously avoiding things but I definitely was avoiding things And this went on, I mean, it started, I think early summer and then we were coming in into Christmas of that same year. And it was a difficult one for me. I mean, I'd gone through a lot of transitions and some of these transitions had left me financially devastated. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I had Christmas shopping to do. And there was one individual whose gift I had bought like months in advance. And I thought I had found the perfect gift. And then I heard from somebody else, oh, I got so and so this exact thing that you got. And not wanting to, like, you know, suck the window to anybody's sales at Christmas time. I mean, normally I'm a very direct person, but when it gets to Christmas time, I want everybody to be happy. And I don't care if I got to take it hard. Right. <laughs> on their behalf i just thought well whatever i'll just return what i got and i'll get so and so a different something it, it was like four or five rounds of this me trying to get the gift and somebody else swooping in and getting the same thing and it finally it's like i've got basically no money i've got no options now and it's literally like five days before christmas and i gotta get this person something special because they were special to me and I don't know what possessed me but I picked up the phone I found myself calling my mom and I said hey mom this is what's going on and she says well I got nothing going on right now why don't you come pick me up and we'll sort it out together and I said okay that sounds good and I told my girlfriend okay I got to go to the store quickly with my mom I'll be back in like two hours kind of thing and mom and I went out to the store I mean she just she swooped in she was doing the parent thing it was like okay just calm down It, it it's all right like you don't need to freak out I felt like a little kid with my mom you know spelling out the next steps for me Mm-hmm. And it was nice, you know, she not just helped me find the perfect gift for the perfect price. But I mean, because I was buying a gift for a woman and me being, you know, a fairly stereotypical guy, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to present a special something to a special someone.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mom's like, okay, well, let me contribute my part. Can I buy a nice gift box? Can I help you wrap it? Okay, you got to get a card, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it, it was just, I don't know all these barriers that had built up between the two of us, they just seemed to disappear because we had a common objective. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the whole shopping experience, getting the gift, getting it wrapped, getting the card, getting all that stuff. I mean, like if we were in the store 40 minutes, that's a long time. So we, we got everything dealt with fairly quickly. And then my mom had said like, look, I know you probably had a bunch of time dedicated to this task. She says, we've gone through things really quickly. Like you don't have to rush home. Why don't we go back to my place and I'll make us a cup of tea. And she says, I think I got something sweet in the cupboard. We can just go and have a snack. And for the first time I didn't find myself like impulsively throwing up a barrier or making an excuse. It's just like, okay, yeah, sure. That sounds good. And you know, like literally nine, 10 hours later, I got a call from my girlfriend saying like, is everything okay? Like I haven't heard from you. And I was like, I lost track of time. I've been having a good time with my mom. And I told my mom, look, I got to get home. As soon as I walked out the door, I burst into tears. I realized in that moment, you know, like I really, really love her. And I don't know, like How I went this long without her. And I realized that, as numb and as cold as I had felt for all those years, obviously she wasn't as dead to me as I thought she was. Right. And, you know, reaching out for an attempted reconciliation, it wasn't, I wasn't as at risk of grieving her loss a second time as I had originally thought. I'd never really lost her to begin with. She'd been there the whole time and I'd never completely let go as much as it felt like that. And, you know, like that initial day that really set a new normal for our relationship. You know, when I'd go over and visit her, of course, there would be times where I would bring somebody with me, but there was just as many times where I didn't. Mm Mm-hmm. And we really started to gain a good appreciation of each other. And we talked about a lot of things. Just let me know if I'm rambling at any point here. Yeah. So there, there was a point where I ended up moving to a different city. Like my mom lives in, and I was living in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I ended up moving to Calgary, Alberta, which is, you know, like a 10 hour drive away. Mm-hmm. And when, when the move happened, my mom was really upset. She's like, Oh, I just found you. And now you're like gone. I'm like, Oh, I get, you're not losing me. Like I'm still in your life. She's like, Oh, it's not the same. You're not going to be stopping by anymore. And, you know, she says, got to promise you're going to come visit. And, you know, there was a couple of times I drove out to visit. And then if you're familiar at all with the winter in the Rockies, you know, when it gets to be wintertime, you don't want to be driving through the Rockies right. if you can avoid it. And my sister had said um, at, at the time, you know, like, if you want to come out and, and visit for a week, she's like, I'll buy you a plane ticket. Don't worry about a hotel. You can stay with me. And she's like, no mom will be happy to see you. And I'm thinking, okay, well, this all works out perfectly, right? so my sister comes to pick me up at the airport and she said, Oh, sorry. There's been a bit of a change of plans. She (laughs) said, my, my daughter has got friends that have come to stay. So you're going to stay at mom's house this week. Oh boy. I'm like, Oh shit. Like keeping in mind, like we're getting along. Okay. But like, we're not like at the point where it's time for a pajama party that lasts a week. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, like, so and and I think my mom was just as anxious about the whole thing because my sister had dropped this on her at the last minute, too. Mm. Oh, you know, BT dubs, you're right. spending a week with your son. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it ended up being a really good thing because we were just we were stuck with each other. And she started asking me questions about my departure from the faith. And I was able to tell her where I was going from coming from and she realized that we had a lot of common ground in like the questions we have about life, like what we're looking for. She realized that atheists aren't two headed monsters that, you know, our morality, our politics, our general approach to life, our values were all damn near identical, even though we differed on the question of the existence of a God. Mm-hmm she expressed curiosity about like, you know, what what is it that you do when you're not sitting here at my table drinking tea and eating pie? And, you know, I started telling her about my podcasts and one, one of my shows it's, it's a short format. You know, the episodes are maybe like two, three minutes long. It's just me sharing whatever is on my heart in the moment. And I asked her if she'd like to hear an episode and she said, yes, please. And, So I played her one. She kept on asking for another, another, another. And, you know, I got like 70 something odd episodes. So, I mean, there was plenty to offer. Mm -hmm. And at one point she said, can you, can you just pause it? And I said, sure. And she burst into tears and she's like, you know what? You're a beautiful person. Mm -hmm. She says, I hear so much of your heart coming through. How did I miss that? She says, you're my own son. I should have seen it. It was like right under my nose. And she started like sobbing you know like those kind of loud sobs that come from the pit of your stomach I knew she was deeply apologetic and as much as I had fantasized about a moment like this where you know that old bat finally gonna feel bad for all the stuff she did to me when I saw her breaking down I started sobbing just as loud and like mom please don't apologize you know like I hear what you're saying you feel like you've been a crappy mom I said but like as soon as you said that I realized I've been a crappy son too like we have not been there for each other and you know I I I don't know if we communicated with coherent words in that time it was a lot of just blubbering like tears snot bubbles hand gestures
0: (laughs) right right
1: but wow what a what a a beautiful breakthrough and we made a decision in that moment like look we're not going to like dwell on the past I mean the past has obviously defined us it defines all of us that's unavoidable right but while we do have to leave room for the emotions of the past we don't need to leave room for the grudges of the past right we don't need to hold each other accountable anymore like we've Held ourselves accountable. We've owned up to the things that we knew to own up to. We decided that if something comes up, instead of just pushing it deep down inside, we're going to have a conversation about it and trust that the other party will be receptive and trust that a difficult truth isn't going to lead to six years of estrangement. Mm. And that's how it's been. Our, you know, for the last. Um, two and a half years since we reconciled I mean our relationship gets stronger and stronger every day I talk to her every other day on the phone if not every day um, it's at the point where if for whatever reason we don't talk for a couple of days like <laughs> she'll phone me and she'll be near to tears she's like you know I just I, I don't know how to live without you and you know I feel the same way about her it's mm-hmm. always been awkward emotionally with her like right since early childhood but now it's like for me to to tell her you know what I I love you I'm glad you're my mom Mm -hmm. it comes very easily to me now Mm -hmm. because she she's accepted me and I've accepted her and it's not like we agree on everything there's plenty we don't agree about and there's definitely misunderstanding that happens but when the misunderstanding comes up it's not a fight it's a conversation It's Mm -hmm. a case of like, okay, did I understand you to say such and such? And if the answer is no, well, then I can get a, a different explanation If the answer is, well, yes, you did understand me to say that I can turn around and say, well, mom, like, do you have any idea like how that sounds from my perspective? Right. You know, and it's not just like her putting her foot in my, in her mouth. I put my foot in my mouth plenty of times too. Like we, we spend a lot of time explaining ourselves to each other, but Every misunderstanding seems to be the gateway to a deeper understanding.
0: Mm, That's beautiful.
1: And, you know, like, I've talked to a couple of other people who are dealing with estrangement from the kid's perspective. And the common theme, as far as the feedback goes, is that people are saying, well, you know, you're so lucky. It's like, I'm not lucky. My situation isn't unique it's not like my mom is like somehow easier to deal with than your mom. And it's not like I'm a better person than you are. It's just, you know, like we've taken the time to put the bullshit to the side. Mm -hmm. We've taken the time to focus on the common ground instead of the differences. We've shared our secrets with each other, which, you know, like that in and of itself is a huge thing. You know what, like how big of an act of trust it is to take something that nobody else knows and to offer it to somebody that you have no reason to trust. Yes. And that gives them permission to do the same. It invites them to do the same. And once you've got that circle of trust that's established with your deepest, darkest secrets, it's like, okay, look, like it's like assured mutual destruction almost. Right. It's like, we've got all the dirt on each other that one piece by itself compels you to figure out how to get along. But no, I'm, I'm not lucky. Right. I'm, I'm fortunate that I have been able to engage with somebody who was also willing to engage. I'm fortunate to reap the benefits of a lot of hard work. Right. But it's not just blind, dumb luck. Relationships don't fix themselves. They don't maintain themselves and people don't guess what your hurts are. You have to tell them and you have to listen when they tell you.
0: Right. Right. So would you say that your mom in the beginning of your reconciliation, this is one of the questions that I have is what, if any discussion happened around how this felt how, how the estrangement affected you did it did you have a conversation about how it affected her like or did that come later or has that not have you not really ever talked about the estrangement and how it came to be and why it lasted as long as it did
1: i'm ashamed to admit that for the longest time um i was so focused on what the experience was like for me that it didn't occur to me to ask how the experience was for her she had many times put the topic on the table in asking me how i felt what my thought process was um earlier i had mentioned that that letter that i had written for the podcast prep i got a chance to read that to her while we were sitting in the same room so she she was very very well clued into what my end of the estrangement had looked like and she was she was really really decent about it you know she didn't push well how do you how do you think this made me feel? she never asked any of that she just took the time to absorb all the things I was telling her and it was only maybe about six seven months ago it occurred to me you know what like I think this is another one of these situations where I'm being kind of like a crappy son. I picked up the phone. I'm like, mom, I got a question for you. And she's like, yeah, anything. And I said, all those years when we weren't talking and she's like, yeah, I said, what was going on with you at the time? She burst into tears. I mean, she she was like so desperate to talk about it, but she wasn't, she didn't want to like poison the relationship by bringing up her well as she said like by bringing up her bullshit i'm mean, like mom it, it's not bullshit i mean this this is real stuff i said like i've been a bit self-absorbed <laughs> so i've been talking about me this whole time is like and you know I, I like to blame being a podcaster for that because like we do like to talk about ourselves Right. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're dealing with real world relationships you, you can't monologue like you got a microphone in front of you and i i found like with that particular topic i had been doing it and that was just like it was just one more thing that we were able to bond over because her experience was so so similar to mine there's all those times where i had been sitting there thinking you know like she's the parent like if this was one of my kids because like i'm a parent too it's not like i'm just guessing what being a parent is like right my oldest is an adult. I'm thinking like if my, if my adult kid wasn't talking to me, I would chase them to the ends of the earth. There is nothing they would do to like get away from me trying to figure out how to like patch things up with them. And like, I don't know how much truth there is. That's really easy to like (laughs) live in the hypothetical. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Thankfully, I've never gone through a period of estrangement with my kids, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to that point but right you know to, and and to find out that like there was a lot of days where my mom was thinking you know what like why don't I just pick up the phone mm-hmm. but then she was afraid to pick up the phone because mm-hmm. of how i had become un- unraveled like vocally that last conversation she was beating herself up a lot she knew that she had said and done some things that were you know maybe unforgivable but she also knew that trying to reconcile with me was like a terrifying prospect just because she didn't know what to expect at that point we were in uncharted territory she had other stuff going on too i mean like sadly the shared estrangement story between her and i isn't the only one on her plate like my older brother hasn't talked to her since the mid 90s Mm. my younger sister at this point as we speak hasn't talked to my mom in like eight years you know and i i think she well i don't think i know based on talking to her like she's had to focus on like working on herself you know like talking to you i know you've done a lot of the same stuff if you can't fix this relationship you got no control over that you do have control over yourself you can do as much as you can to fix you so that hopefully when the day comes where the phone rings or there's a knock on the door that you're ready for that reconciliation and so out of four kids, my mom was talking to one. I, I was just sort of like, I guess, lost in the shuffle It's like, you know, like, why don't my kids talk to me? And it wasn't like a case of like her sitting there thinking, what was me? It's a case of like, literally, why are my kids not talking to me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She had to figure that out before she figured out like whether or not it was a good idea to phone me and say, Hey, let's go for coffee and talk things through because what the hell are you going to talk through? You're dealing with two dysfunctional people. Right, right so it, it it was good for me to learn that it wasn't a lack of love on her part that prevented her from like chasing me to the ends of the earth it was quite the opposite she didn't chase me because she had too much love to present a broken flawed version of herself
0: mm.
1: and that it was hard and that you know at the same time she had to grieve me as though I had died right there was just the more we talked about her experience, the more I was just like slapped with the unavoidable fact that our stories were mirrors of each other. Mm. We thought we had so much in conflict. It turns out we had absolutely everything in common.
0: Right.
1: I mean, even the things that are initially led to the rift, it wasn't because we were such different people it's because we were so much the same. I mean, like we can kind of laugh at the similarities now. I mean, like when I, I, I go visit my mom for a week every single month now mm-hmm. I, I fly to vancouver and i spend a whole week just me and her and she keeps me up all night even though she's 80 years old <laughs> you know just five more minutes just five more minutes we realized that we have got the same snack habits we got the same weird sleep schedule the same like little body manners it's just like the same everything it's like her and i we in many ways were the same person and it just you know as beautiful as it is to enjoy that, it's kind of gut-wrenching when we think of like how many years we looked at each other and saw a total stranger. Right. The stranger was never there.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, AC, this is... um, To hear, you know, you've heard my story, but today's the first time I'm hearing yours. And I can't thank you enough for your vulnerability and being willing to show that here on the show today and be honest and open about your experience and about your feelings about your mom and what you've learned in this process. I'm often saying that estrangement is two sides of the same coin.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: you've just talked about it, you know, mirroring one another. It truly is. And I know that when we're in the middle of estrangement, it's next to impossible to see that. Standing back when you can get that, that full view, it, you can see it. It's just as clear as day to me. And so many of the estrangement experiences, people that I work with who are in, a, who are estranged, we have just in humanity at large, right? We have so much more in common than we do differences, mm-hmm. but we're so focused on the differences that we can't see the commonality a lot of times. And the commonality of, of having a human heart right? We all have it. Yeah, We all have it. We all have it. So I have a couple of questions that I'd like to ask for your input on as an adult child who's gone through all of this with your mom and comes from a family lineage of estrangement. I'd really like your take on some of these things. And I think that you have a perspective that you can, it's well-rounded. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to throw those Sh- your way. Shoot. Okay. One of the questions that I get often from um, estranged parents is why the silence? Why can't they meet me and come and talk about this? Why Why do they have to just completely cut things off? Why? Why can't there be a conversation? And I know that your situation was a bit different with your mom. um, But I know that you've had many conversations with estranged folks. So estranged adult children.
1: Yes. That's kind of a tough one. Because one thing I've learned from talking to a lot of estranged children is, and I know I'm probably going to piss off a lot of people who would identify that way. They make excuses for themselves Mm -hmm. and I made excuses for myself at certain points in my story too. We try to justify the silence. Really what it comes down to. I've had a chance to unpack it. I've had a chance to push back on some of the people say, well, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. You don't understand how my mom is. You don't understand how my dad is. It's like, well, Yeah, I do. Because as much as all kids in some ways are the same, all parents in some ways are the same too. I mean, yeah, you're going to find monsters in both camps that just (laughs) are people that are so mentally in need of support that they can't engage. Right. But by and large, the silence is because of fear. Mm,
0: Yes. You know,
1: and not like... (sighs) some generic you know i don't know how else to describe it fear like you know for me it was fear of okay well what if the reconciliation goes sideways what if the conversation is ugly and it wasn't you know for for me it was like okay can i handle grieving her loss a second time for a lot of people it's like can i sacrifice my peace for a conversation that's Likely to go sideways based on personal experience. Every conversation on this topic leading up into this point has ended in conflict. Why the hell do I need to go for another round? Mm. Yeah, mom, sorry again. Yeah, dad, sorry again. They're always sorry. They're always willing to engage. And it just when we as people identify a toxic pattern, I don't think it's at all unreasonable to like just try to break the pattern. Unfortunately. A lot of these people, they don't realize that they're dealing with a mom like you or a mom like I've got that's been working on stuff. They don't realize that, you know what, she actually is sorry this time and not just as an emotional reaction. She's sorry enough to have knuckled down and done the hard work and turn a critical eye inward. She's not sitting there waiting to judge you for being a crappy kid she's waiting to love you the way that she knows she always has but this fear it gets in the way and uh, I I would say probably like I can't say (laughs) definitively what percentage of people are dealing with fear but I can say that 100% of the estranged children that I have interacted with they are silent because of fear yeah
0: and I would have to agree with that the estranged kids that I've talked with uh, as well what would you say to an estranged child who who may be an only child and doesn't have siblings to kind of buffer that and they don't know if the parent's done any work or has changed and things like that do you think that there's a way to navigate that to come out of that fear to be able to reach out to the parent do you or is this just you know a life sentence what, what what are your thoughts on that
1: one of the most frustrating thing about dealing with the estranged community whether it be the parents or the children is talking to you I realize that it's the same conversations yep But one of the most frustrating things about the estranged community is the estranged person that you're talking to looking at the other party as the problem, looking at the other party as being solely responsible for the solution, which is bullshit 100% of the time. And I don't care how bad, how nasty, how just intentionally evil the other party is you still have some control in the situation it has nothing to do with them they can remain as intentionally evil toxic nasty any of these things as they want they can pull out all the stops to try to destroy your peace they can just attack you on every level relentlessly you are in control of yourself you can control your reactions, you can control your mindset, you can develop yourself, you can insulate yourself, just like, you know, you don't have control over the weather. Like these Alberta winters, it gets to be really bloody cold. And I can't make the weather warmer, but I can put on a coat, right? I can put on a hat, you know, dealing with toxic relationships, they're you can put on that emotional coat, that emotional hat, and like, this is something that actually, like, I get really passionate about. I could just like s- grab somebody and shake them sometimes and scream in their face, like, "What in the hell is wrong with you? You do not get to control another person. It is not a hundred percent their fault. I don't care what your story is. I don't care how emotional your experience was. I just don't care." It is not so big, so emotional, so traumatic that you are completely free of guilt. You have done something wrong. I guarantee it. And if you say you haven't, you need to get honest with yourself. Because until that happens, reconciliation, unfortunately, is impossible. And not because of mom and dad, because of you being full of shit.
0: I love your honesty, AC. I love it. I absolutely love it. While I also know that there are estranged kids who we all, as you say, we all have our issues. I also know that there are parents because I was one of those parents that make it next to impossible until they've done their own work to be able to come back into relationship in a healthy way with someone. So while we have to take our personal responsibility for our own shit mm-hmm. and understand that a relationship takes two people, always, whatever whatever the relationship is, everybody contributes to it. From my perspective, I know that I made it very difficult for my children to be able to come to me to own up to their shit, right? Like I did. I made it next to impossible. They were scared of me. As mm-hmm. we talked about, there was that fear yet they have been willing to entertain that mom did and change mom did her work and changed. There was, there's that difference, right. And owning your shit and saying, yes, I contributed to this, but she hasn't done her stuff. So I'm not going to do anything. Right. There's that piece to it. And the same thing for the parent side. The parents are like, I'm doing my stuff. I'm doing my stuff. They're not, they're over here not doing anything. They're not, well, we, we don't know that. It's the same, like to come, we, we have to find a way to come together, owning our shit, working on our stuff, turning the eye inside Mm -hmm. is the first and essential key to any estrangement, reconciliation, in my opinion.
1: I, I agree with everything you said. And I just want to clarify, I don't, I didn't mean to suggest that one person owning their shit is going to lead to a healthy, productive right. <laughs> relationship, right. right. but the door is firmly closed until you own up.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. I have another question for you. And I think that, well, we answered, well, I have two other questions. And one of those, we, I think you alluded to earlier with the fact that, you know, moms, the moms that I work with think that the kids aren't, they aren't thinking about their experience, the mom's experience through this estrangement. You know, my kids and I have not had that conversation. We've not talked about, although we have, we, my daughters and I have not had that conversation about what the estrangement experience was like for me. Although I have one of my daughter's friends with on Facebook and I've been very, you know, vocal about my experience. She's gotten that from my Facebook post and and my things that I put out on social media. But we've not had that conversation. So for parents who, estranged parents who uh, think that, you know, in order to reconcile, I feel like I, they tell me, I feel like I should be able to say what this was like for me. And that this was, you know don't you want to hear my side of the story kind of thing what would you say to those parents who have been hurt who have suffered but their kid doesn't want to hear it what would you say to them
1: it's kind of, kind of a tough situation you're dealing with different personalities in every relationship of course right and mm-hmm on this point i can only speak from personal experience and personal perspective like i know now in retrospect that maybe i was being unfair to my mom in not asking her about how the experience was for her that being said if she had brought it to the table too soon for my comfort level I think there's a strong probability that I would have got my backup thinking, you know what? Of course it's all about you. Just like it always is. Nothing's changed. And then we would have been dragged right back to square one. I don't want to say that's the case for everybody, but I would imagine it's the case for a lot of people. That being said, in a general sense i'm a firm believer in being honest in the way we communicate with each other i believe that offense is taken it's not given Mm -hmm. i believe that owning your shit's more important than worrying about somebody else's and i also believe that we have more in common than we have in conflict all of these things being said if i'm approaching a difficult topic like just you and me talking here, if there's something I got to bring to you and say, Creed, you know, like, or or if I'm thinking there's something I want to talk to Creed about, but I don't know how she's going to react. Well, it's not my job to police your reactions or anticipate them. It's my job to communicate what's on my heart. Right. And if you're a total bitch in response, well, that's on you. Right. But you might surprise me. You might be totally receptive to a difficult conversation. So to so these people, I'd, I'd say you, you kind of got to do a risk assessment. I mean, only you know where exactly your relationship is at. And this this is like me talking directly to you right now. I mean, mm-hmm. only you know exactly where your relationship with your daughter is at.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would imagine that you know the situation, you know your daughter well enough to read the room.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think you spend enough time introspecting to know whether or not this is general insecurity or legitimate concern. If it's insecurity, you got to push past it. If it's like legitimate concern, well, you need to figure out like, what are the elements that legitimize this concern that need to be addressed before you can bring up a difficult topic? Sorry if that's all a little bit too...
0: Nope, I, I agree with you. And for me and with my girls right now, I mean, it's not... And I, this is what I, this is part of the work that I do with the strange moms is that once you get, once you've worked on yourself, once you've dug in and have done the work on yourself and you've reconciled, oftentimes the things that you think are paramount to discuss and that just absolutely have to be on the table really don't. Mm -hmm. And they're not that super important compared to all the other things, right? They tend to take a backseat or dissolve. For me, it's not important anymore that my girls, that I have a say in how the estrangement affected me. It's just not, it's not that important to me anymore. And I think that that just is a natural evolution. Once you've done your work, you figure out what's important to you, what's not necessarily so important. And then when you reconcile, you get another chance to figure out what's important and what's not necessarily so important. And some of those things can, they just naturally dissolve. And that's what's happened for me.
1: with my I think it's also beneficial. I mean, not just to identify what's important, but why is it important?
0: Exactly. Yeah. If you
1: ask that question, honestly, it's like, well, it's important to me because I'm a petty grudgy asshole might be the honest answer. Right. Right. Or it might be. Something else, but ask these questions like never stop asking yourself questions like right. anybody like in any situation, always 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 be questioning your motivations and your actions and your responses.
0: agreed, and that's one of the reasons why I adore you the way that I do is <laughs> because you and I both have that 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 sense of curiosity and that the questioning all the time mm-hmm. of what's beneath the surface here, what it's not necessarily what we think it is. It's oftentimes something very different when we start digging down into it. So agreed. I have one more question for you. And this is really just kind of, I would love your input on what do you think about, because with the parents that I work with, the moms that I work with, I often, especially with sons and I don't have a son, so it's, I don't necessarily get this perspective with a son and a mom, but there's the gatekeepers, the daughter-in-laws or sons-in-laws who parents believe are hindering this relationship that they're the ones that are blocking a relationship with their child what are your thoughts on that
1: um i don't think that the parents that are identifying the daughters-in-law as gatekeepers are necessarily wrong in fact i think they're probably right more often than not i don't know that these gatekeepers as you put it are necessarily like toxic or intentionally Mm -hmm. disruptive to the relationship type people i got torn between my wife and my mom for a lot of years leading up to the estrangement during the first couple years of it i got divorced in the midst of that right but it's not because my wife was being nasty it just, you know, like the things that she'd bring up with me behind closed doors were like before the estrangement It's like, well, why do you let your mom talk to you like that? Mm. Or like, why do you have these kind of attitudes about your mom? Like, you know, the, 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 a lot of stuff, it was like all legitimate. It's like, well, how do you expect to have a successful marriage when you can't get along with your mom? Like you got to resolve your mommy issues before you figure out how to be a husband, which is true. hmm just as valid was, you know, her saying like, why do you let her treat you like that? Why don't you set boundaries? Why do you feel obligated to just take it? Because you sit there, you absorb all this stuff that doesn't work for you. And then you come and you lash out verbally at people that don't have it coming, namely me, you know, as the, as the wife. Right. And I would imagine that a lot of these women who just get tired of getting caught in between mother and son they get tired of unresolved mother issues because i'm sorry most guys have them in fact like every guy i've ever talked to is like a mountain of mother issues and the guys who say they're not later admit that they were right (laughs) right and at the same time it's I, i would think Like from the estranged parents perspective, you're looking at the daughter-in-law and thinking, okay, well, she's the reason I don't have a son. Well, maybe stop to think that maybe she's the reason your son's looking at things differently. That is a fair statement. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Whether or not that different perspective is a good one. I mean, that's for y'all to determine. I can't speak to that. Maybe it doesn't hurt to sit down with the daughter-in-law and just say, look, like instead of like coming at them hot you know like why are you getting in the way why like refine your question just say look like I'm really struggling to connect with my son I don't really know what I'm missing here can you shed some light on the situation for me and then shut the hell up and listen to her even if you don't like what she's saying even if a lot of it is nonsense There's going to be some useful stuff in there. You know, if your relationship with your son matters enough, well, then it's going to matter enough for you to listen to some uncomfortable things. It's going to matter enough for you maybe even to listen to some complete lies about yourself. Listen to the whole story. Thank her for the input and then go back to your safe space and unpack because sometimes too it's like when somebody brings a difficult truth to us i mean it's it's human nature we we get in a defensive posture and we want to shut down and we want to reject what we're hearing and a lot of times that's how arguments happen and after the emotions have died down we realize oh man like i should have handled that differently well don't sit there being remorseful about how you should have handled it differently handle it properly in the moment and the best way to handle a situation like that properly is with open ears and a closed mouth.
0: Agreed, agreed. Man, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that I think that 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 is useful advice in life in general <laughs> in every relationship. I don't know of any that that would not apply to. So, AC, I just I again I want to thank you for your wisdom today, your insight, your vulnerability. I think you're a super fabulous human. I think your mom is blessed to have a son like you. I always wanted a son. And I always say, if I said, so having met you, I've been like, that is the son that I would want. <laughs> 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 if, I had, if I had a son, I would want a son like AC. I really do. I appreciate the human being that you are. And I absolutely love your heart. Thank you for your friendship and being here on as a guest on my podcast, I'm super, super grateful.
1: Super okay. great. Thank you, Creed. Like sincerely.
0: Yeah, you're so welcome. So I know that you have some podcasts and if folks would like to have a listen to yours, where can I find you?
1: Easiest place to find everything I'm working on is kingfishermedia.ca. The spelling of Fisher is F-I-S-C-H-E-R. Okay. <laughs> And yeah, you'll find links to Turn Up the AC. That's an introspective, retrospective, autobiographical look at what makes me tick. There's What I Like About You, which focuses on the idea that all of us have more in common than we have in conflict. Mm. There is In the Blood, which we talk to people about what happens when relationships don't play out as expected and what comes next. And soon to be back is the missionary position, which is just a lighthearted look at everyday stuff that's been on the shelf for a couple of years, but we're excited. That's going to be coming back soon. And yeah, it's anybody's guess. Like if another podcast is going to get added to the mix, I'm a little bit of a junkie when it comes to talking with a microphone in front of me. So stay tuned and yeah, looking forward to sharing with you
0: awesome and i'm beautiful yeah check out ac's podcast he's a phenomenal podcaster and yeah just give him a listen so again thank you ac i appreciate it anytime this brings this episode to a close i hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you are able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, perhaps entertaining becoming a guest on our show, or following us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. We can be found at facebook.com backslash estranged mother's support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart@gmail.com. At